Hi everyone, welcome to the AI of Mankind show, where I share anything interesting about mankind. I'm your host for this season. My name is Andrew Liu. I've worked across four continents and 12 international cities. Also, I've worked in tech startups across a range of roles from selling products, making customer happy, figuring out fundraising, making finance tick, building teams, and developing sticky products. Apart from building startups, I've also worked in Fortune 500 companies as a chief data scientist or technologist or people leader. You can call me jack of all trades or master of learning. I hope to make this podcast show a great learning experience for us. In each season, there is a series of interesting things where I invite guests to share their views about their life and interests. Now let the show begin. In our previous episode, we explored the fascinating world of AI and its implications on human creativity and happiness. Denise's thought-provoking insights challenged our understanding of AI's promise and emphasized the importance of human connections in an increasingly technology-driven society. Now, as we transition into part three of our enlightening conversation, get ready to embark on a journey that dives even deeper into the essence of humanity and AI's role in shaping our lives. Dennis will challenge the notion that artificial intelligence can guarantee happiness and replace the intricate nature of human expression. In this episode, we'll explore the role of large language models and their impact on human creativity and happiness. Dennis will share his profound insights on the distinction between being creative and being happy, shedding light on the significance of human connections and experiences. We'll also discuss the potential risks of a society overly dependent on technology, as well as the limitations of AI-generated artwork in capturing the true essence of human expression. So, brace yourselves for another captivating conversation that will challenge your perceptions and leave you pondering the delicate balance between technology and humanity. Part 3 promises to be an enlightening exploration of the complexities of AI and its implications on our happiness and sense of self. Don't miss out on this thought-provoking episode with Dennis Raveman. Tune in now and join us on this extraordinary journey of self-discovery and ice impact on our lives. Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, large language model with the advent of a better UI opening our ChatGPT. It enables us to work more efficiently and it frees up a lot of our time to think about it more creatively. And do you think that that is the beauty of like large language model packing in a simple user-friendly interface that in the near future, people are just going to use it so much to do this kind of work that you just mentioned. And it frees up more time to think about something new or something creative. Okay, let's be realistic, okay? Okay. I'm going to give you some statistics, okay? These are not light statistics because <laughs> I'm an expert. I'm an expert. I'm not influencer. Okay. On LinkedIn, I've never received the penny for anything I post, even on OPA. I'm not an influencer. I'm not a consultant. I'm an expert. Experts are not nice people. They're nice to talk to, but they're not nice people. So let's be realistic. Okay, yes. Expert wants to be a realist. Otherwise, the CEO of a corporation will kick you out in five minutes. If you start saying, okay, what's the truth? You want the truth. Let's say statistics. In France? Yes. In in 1970, this country, France, probably the same for all of us, you had about, let's be nice, about a quarter of the population that had a high school diploma. Okay. That you go to high school and you study and you get to age 18 and you get a degree. 
In most countries, it's about that age all over the world where you get some kind of, that's 25%. Okay. In 19, in 2022, 23, 90% get the same degree. And this degree is worth nothing. It is the level, the intellectual is so low that there's nothing in it. There's no thinking. People make spelling mistakes. You don't have to think. The, so the level is now the master degree. Yes. So the master degree in France is the method. If you go try to get a job as a computer scientist with your high school diploma, you won't get a job. Okay. You, you say, I just, I'm 18. I studied 18 years. Give me a job. I doubt you'll get a job at something sophisticated. In 1970, you began a job even with less than that or a job with just two years of college. Today, the master degree is the reference. Okay. And the master degree in France takes about five years. That is the equivalent of the intellectual level of 1970. How many people have that kind of degree in France with a real degree? I'm not speaking about, I'm not, I'm not going to speak about degrees that are worth nothing. I'm saying a degree where you get a job, 25%. And if you go back a hundred years, you'll still find 20% of the population that gets the good jobs in that. So unfortunately, 75% of the population doesn't have, they don't have the skills to do what you're talking about. How would they know how a transformer works? And then they're going to ask questions about a sophisticated question, but a master degree level? No, not many. So when you're speaking about creativity, we're reaching a social problem here. Is technology, is technology happiness? Because right now in my house, I have people, I have a painter. This guy is a happy person. He doesn't have a high school diploma. He doesn't even come from France. Okay, he works for a company, has a salary, he's a legal person from another country, a great person. He does not have these degrees. When I talk to him, I have a nice time. He doesn't even watch TV. So in the evening, I said, what do you do? I go with friends. We have a meal and listen to music. I said, you're a happy person. So yeah, I'm a happy person. And he's very happy. He's always smiling. He's always wanting to do something. He doesn't have a high school diploma. He doesn't know what chat GPT is. He doesn't know what AI is for. He doesn't go on social media. He doesn't care. He's living a real happy life. And his salary, because since people want, don't want to do these jobs, little by little, his salary is reaching the level of an engineer in wow. France. Because since people don't want to do the job, you, a plumber can earn more than an engineer in many Western countries since no one wants to be a plumber. Just crowding a plumber somewhere in France, you're going to see how much it costs. Or even if you didn't lock your door correctly, you call someone and you have $200 for him to come over. Or, uh, so what I'm saying is we have to go back to basic philosophy and social problems. It's not being because you're creative that you're happy. And it doesn't make you, if you look at the lives of Mozart, Beethoven, these people were happy. And they were the best creators in the history of Van Gogh, everyone's buying these paintings. Look at his life. So, creative, being creative doesn't make you happy. Using the artificial intelligence doesn't make you happy. Makes you more efficient. Yeah. So, if you want to be efficient, then you can use artificial intelligence. If you want to be happy, you better turn your computer off. And you better go see. Better go see your friends, your family, and if you still have parents, go see your parents. That'll make you happy. But artificial intelligence never make you happy. And there's this confusion now between being creative and being happy. So, yeah, you're an artificial intelligence and you work for corporations, you're all in books. 
you're so creative. You're a genius. I said, yeah, so what? I mean, people in my neighborhood, anyone in my neighborhood around me doesn't care about artificial intelligence. They don't care. Nothing. And say, Dennis, why don't you come over and have a drink? Why don't we have a meal? And just don't talk about your work. Okay. And the error is to think that being creative makes you happy or opens your mind. You don't have to have an open. They're very creative people that have a very closed mind. They just, they're very creative, but in destruction, they can build, you know, very creative people building tanks, missiles, machine guns, and they're making strategies with satellites. How can we blow up this country? How can we blow up this city? Or how can we sell more warships to bother this country? Yeah, that's creativity and it's in a very high level, the highest in the history of humanity. We have developed weapons beyond the, beyond our imagination. That doesn't make us happy. So we have to separate being creative, open-minded, and thinking. It's not because you're thinking of something else that you're thinking of something else big. So what I'm saying is artificial and a tool to be very efficient. Very, it's efficient. But it won't replace the thing that's human. If you go, I remember, I'll give you an image, yeah. two images. I like museums. Yes. And it's... And people say when they, maybe you talk to people, they go to the museum and say, oh, there are so many people I couldn't see the painting. No, I sit down. I go often to the same museum. I sit down and I watch some people. Because the people are, in it, are as interesting as the paintings. These pa- I know these paintings. I've been to Paris on the Louvre. I know all these paintings. When I was a student, I lived next to the Louvre. I went there almost, I would say, three or four times a week. So what I do is I, I watch people and I notice like two people that really struck me. One is a Japanese tourist in the Nivea and she was standing there. I was drawing, in fact, a painting of Van Gogh because I like to draw instead of taking pictures. You remember them better and you feel it better. And she came along and she's just a Japanese tourist. And people say, yeah, Japanese tourists, yeah. And she stood there and she was trying to figure out why I was looking at this painting. And she stood there for five minutes. So I backed off and I sat down and I looked at her. And little by little, I saw her face lit up. She was seeing the light in this masterpiece. And I was saying, this is one masterpiece looking at another masterpiece. She was a masterpiece too. A human being is a masterpiece looking at another masterpiece. Because in fact, Gen Go did a lot of reproductions of Kiroshige, the Japanese painter. And he uses a lot of techniques. And so little by little, she's saying, ah, that's Japanese. The way he put that tree in the foreground at all. And that's Japanese. And she was lighting up only a human. So human beings are masterpieces. She's a masterpiece. And then in this other exhibition, I couldn't approach the painting. There were so many paintings. So I just sat down and I began to draw the people looking at the painting. And I saw this man with an old sheets. He was coming out, an employee coming out of I don't know where, but you could see that the pants were reaching the shoes. They were not, the pants weren't new, the shoes were. But you could see his face so happy looking at the painting. So another masterpiece. I saw two masterpieces. What does this have to do with artificial intelligence? Beauty, masterpieces, humanity, wonder, happiness, Love, that's not a machine, it's a human being. So artificial intelligence is a fantastic tool. It's like thinking your hammer is going to make you happy. That's right. I I recall, if I recollect correctly, I think recently 
all these art pieces, whether is it music or even drawings can be done using artificial intelligence. And yeah, yeah. Look at my post on LinkedIn today yeah. and you will see, uh, I posted about a few pictures that I did with Dali, the algorithm. Yeah. And you will notice that there's a boat. There's a boat. If you look at it, there's a boat that generated. And my wife said, I like that boat. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like art. I don't like artificial intelligence at all. Was she a real French person that like family people not interested on? In she likes, she listens to me talk. It's not listening. But I like that boat. I like that shit. And I would like you to make a real painting because that's not a real painting. I want it because it doesn't have your touch because she knows how I think. Because there's no personality in there. There's no personality. It's a reproduction, but it's not an expression. Okay. It's not an expression of who you are because when people look at my painting, they say, oh, I didn't paint that. But if you look at that's nothing. It's just a re- There's no, there's no body in it. It's like a photocopy of your mind. It's just assembling different things, but it's not creation. It's interesting. Let's talk about that topic. Because there's one part. What, when you write something or send that message to Dali to create that image of that piece of boat, and if you were to use your hand and take a like a tool, a, a paintbrush with some colors and paint it on a canvas, it's, if you think from the perspective, it, both of them actually come from your mind. The only difference is one is generated by a computer which is the device. The other one is generated from a toothbrush and your hand. Yeah, I agree. Right? I, I do all three. Sometimes I like to play around with Delhi to, to get pictures. Yeah. Then I print and people like them. So I say, okay, why don't I just write made by Delhi and I just offer it to them. I like to do that. Then I like also to do part of Delhi that can put a mask in it. It'll only give you part. And then I complete it with the painting and the, I complete the drawing and all that. So I, so it can be 100% Dali or just 50%. And I say, why don't I, it gave me a lot of good ideas. Why don't, with these ideas, build something completely different? So of course, but notice that in every phase here, I describe it as a tool. It's not the essence of who I am. It can never be what I am. It's only a tool responding to either the past or what I'm telling it. So you're still describing it as a digital paintbrush but it's not the essence of a person. The essence of a person is something different. And that you want the essence, you'll not reach it with Dali. You won't be able to give your essence with Dali, no matter how you write the test text. It's not your essence. Uh, it's not like my brother-in-law, the yeah. doctor. Yeah. He's a sculptor also. Yeah. And the way he makes these sculptures, because he's seen human beings suffer. The doctor is not just a doctor with a nice car and a big house. These people die. And people die from bad things. So the the faces he makes with his head, because he touches people that day, so he knows exactly how it is. He knows everything in the body. You look at the sketches and you say, oh, wow, I see what he's talking about. That's the essence of a human being. You can try to do a dally, but it won't have the value. Is it because like we human beings are like true ancient time till today, we are so used to value things that is made by the human hand rather than using a digital paintbrush or digital medium. Yeah. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Suppose you get all this beautiful world we're talking about. Dolly, Dolly. People don't paint anymore. They just use Dolly. Okay. People don't flunk anymore. They're just using large language models. 
They don't do math anymore because all that. And they were sitting in their house eating pizza they ordered with Amazon or I don't know, delivered by Uber or okay, or And they just throwing in books in it. We get all day, have all this free time. And then all of a sudden, there's no more electricity. You get an electricity shortage. Something happens. There's something called solar radiation storm. Okay. So you get this big climate event that has nothing to do with climate change. Nothing. Okay. It's just an event. In fact, NASA has a site that I look at every day that looks solar eruptions and everything. The big one comes along. It can disrupt the whole electromagnetic system of the world. For example, we could be without electricity for two months. So add this beautiful mural, and who's going to survive? The guy that goes fishing on Sunday, he's, he doesn't have internet. He's going to go fishing and get some fish. And in the winter, he goes hunting, so I'll go get some meat. And it's like, and said, I don't care. Where's the problem? I, I don't watch Nelly TV. I don't have computers. And I draw, too. I like to draw. I have a piece of paper, and I do these drawings. I can draw, and I have the big piano. It's not, it's out of tune, but I can play it. No electricity. Oh, no problem for me for two months, even six months if you want, because I go get vegetables in my garden. My neighbor has some, my neighbor has some chickens. So if I give him some carrots, he'll give me some chicken. And if I give him a nice drawing for his daughter, he'll give me some more, uh, some more food. So who will survive? People who know how to use their hands. Who won't survive? People who are dependent on computing. Because once you're dependent, are you free? Who are you? What if I shut your thing off? What are you going to do? What if I shut this off? What if you don't get the internet? What's going to happen if someone goes under the sea and doesn't blow North Stream up, but just cuts an internet cable off? No internet. No. Look at the bank system. There's no bank system. That's why it's not cut off. Because everyone that did things legally behind sanctions or in sanctions using this. It's a common it's a common system for them for good and bad. So what do you do? And who will survive if they only that? It's a very top provoking one that that got me thinking because I always like to ask my guests like typically there's two schools of thought which is Jack Ma says that artificial intelligence will create a greater good whereas Elon Musk always say that we need to worry about AI because it will eventually be like a terminator. Now that you say you create it almost. Elon Musk is a genius, right? Elon Musk is one of, I would say, the biggest genius in in the 20th and 21st century. But he's an industrial genius. Industrial. He's very good at building cars, building spaceships in certain parts of square. He's a genius. But in philosophy, no, he's zero. He doesn't. Okay, but well, it's not because Mozart was a genius in music yeah. that he was a rocket scientist. And it's not because Elon is very good at the rocket sciences that he's good at philosophy. People think that, oh, you're a doctor, so maybe you can help me repair my computer. Or artificial intelligence. Can you operate my grandmother? Because no, he is a genius. It's unquestionable. He's a, he's a, compared it to Thomas Edison. Yeah. Because he's the only of these big corporations that does something physical. He delivers cars. It's not Facebook, blah, blah, blah. No, he delivers cars. He delivers rockets. He delivers making hyper. He's an industrial genius, but he's, he's an, as a philosopher, he's worth nothing. He's not a philosopher. He's not a priest. He's not a few. He's nothing. He's just a genius and petrials. 
It's like saying, oh, Einstein was good in physics. Why didn't he write symphonies? That's strange. Why didn't he write? No, he's a, you're a genius in one field, but you're not a genius everywhere. So, so you... artificial intelligence is a fantastic tool, yeah. and there's nothing to worry about humans. Thank you for joining us on this captivating podcast journey with Dennis Rothman. In part three, we delve into the profound impact of AI on human creativity and happiness, challenging our perceptions and emphasizing the significance of human connection. Dennis's insights left us pondering the delicate balance between technology and humanity in an increasingly AI-driven world. But our exploration doesn't end here. As we transition into part four, get ready to embark on a fascinating journey that dives even deeper into the future of AI and its potential implications on humanity. Dennis will take us on a thought-provoking exploration, challenging traditional notions and offering a unique perspective on the possibilities that lie ahead. In this episode, we'll uncover why Dennis believes that AI won't surpass human control and how factors like electricity shortages, internet cutoffs, and social unrest could shape our response to AI threats. We'll also explore the scarcity of raw materials such as computer chips and rare minerals essential for AI systems and the challenges of colonizing Mars, including the crucial role of an iron core in sustaining life. Prepare to be enthralled as Denny shares his unconventional views on robots, digital transformation, and the remarkable influence of mathematics. This episode promises to be filled with eye-opening discussions that challenge traditional notions and inspire us to rethink the future of AI. So, don't miss out on part 4 of this captivating podcast series with Dennis Raithman. Tune in now and join us as we continue to unleash the future exploring AI's potential, Mars colonization, and the power of human intervention. Get ready for an episode that will expand your horizons and ignite your imagination. Stay tuned for another enlightening conversation with Dennis Rothman. Hi guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. If this is the first time you are tuning in, remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share it with your friends, family, and acquaintances. See you later and see you soon. Thank you.